Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from TrainingIndustry.com. Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Business of Learning. I'm Taryn H., Managing Editor of Digital Content at Training Industry. Research by Training Industry has found that one of the major challenges learning leaders face is sustaining the impact of training, making sure that after completing a program, learners actually retain and apply what they've learned on the job one month, six months, and even years afterward. Our guests today are here to share some insights on a new model to help sustain leadership training. This episode of The Business of Learning is sponsored by the Center for Leadership Studies. Celebrating their 50th anniversary this year, the Center for Leadership Studies, founded by Dr. Paul Hersey, is the global home of situational leadership. With over 14 million leaders trained, situational leadership is the most successful and widely adopted leadership model available. The Center for Leadership Studies offers influence-focused courses that enable leaders to engage in effective performance conversations that build trust, increase productivity, and drive behavior change. Learn more at situational.com. Today, we're talking with Doug Harward, founder and CEO of Training Industry, and Dr. Sam Shriver, Executive Vice President of the Center for Leadership Studies. Thanks to you both for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Taryn. Pleasure to be here. All right, Doug, let's start with you. Based on your experience and, and the research that Training Industry has done, can you share why it's important to have a model or an approach in place to sustain training and, and why doing so can be such a challenge for learning leaders? Sure, Taryn. You know, I think that um, if you go back for, quite frankly, many decades in the training profession, it's been a common view that we have struggled with being able to demonstrate the value of what we do and, and the perceived value that training is, 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 uh, is having on the impact of somebody's job performance or somebody's skills. And what, what research has been teaching us over the last number of years, quite frankly, for the last couple of decades, <clears throat> is that really a very small percentage of, of the information that we need to achieve an, uh, a, a high-level performance on the job comes from when we attend that training course or that program. It really is the encapsulation of all the different things that happens pre the, pre the course or, or before the course or before we take the course and the relationships we may have with our manager or our peers prior to the course then what happens during the course, but then also what happens post the course. You know, do we practice it? How do we put it into application? Um, what conversations are we having with our manager, our coach, or our peers afterwards? So the idea of sustainment really deals with the idea, we believe that we have to rethink what the learning experience really is and, and move from where we are just so focused just on the event, but think about, you know, all of the, the uh, the time it takes for somebody to kind of gain and, 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 uh, and master a skill includes practice, includes relationships, all those kind of things. And that's why we're, we were so excited when we learned about the work of Sam and his team on the four moments of truth, because it really put, put together in a very succinct model, you know, how we, how we look at those total experiences uh, into, uh, you know, kind of into a total package. Great. Right, so, Sam, that's a good segue. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this new model um, and, and how you developed it? Sure. Um, I, and uh, I, I sincerely thank you, Doug, for the, for the kind words there. But I, I think the one word answer to, you know, sort of where did this model come from, it would be, um, you know, it came from our customers. I, I, I think when you're on the supplier side of, of the equation, um, historically, you were defined by your content. 
you were either the situational leadership people or the emotional intelligence people or the social styles people or, you know, you know, whatever it happened to be. And your content sort of competed with other content. Um, I, I think as our industry and the whole idea of leadership development, um, you know, ha has matured, right? Our customers have become, you know, much more interested in integration for, for lack of a better term. How does your content merge with other content to accelerate our efforts to build leaders? Um, and, and, and it's not only that in this day and age, of course, it's, it's uh, what formats do you have your, you know, your content in? You know, is it, is it online? Is it blended? Can it be taken virtually? And I'm assuming, you know, there's a traditional classroom version of it. So, so that's another component, uh, another layer of, of complexity, if you will, that wasn't there certainly decades ago. And, and the other thing is the whole idea of what do you have um, that will help us uh, transfer the training, um, you know, sustain it, pull it through. What does your organization offer um, to ensure that we not only teach situational leadership, but that we build situational leaders? You know, so first and foremost, the credit, you know, for the development of the Four Moments of Truth goes to a number of customers that we have been blessed with the opportunity to work with over the years. And, and, and then when, when you say to yourselves as a supplier, okay, we're, we're going to develop something um, that helps our customers transfer the message and, 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 and do this sustainment thing in their environments. You know, you, you go, um, you know, to a mini research project. And, and you, you, like if anybody, like you do with anything these days, right? You Google something. And if you, if you were to Google um, measuring the effectiveness of a training program, you know, throw that in. And, and what, what you find is that there are literally thousands, maybe tens of thousands of methodologies, uh, different models, different systems, different research. And, and, you know, the bad news associated with that overwhelming glut of information is that a lot of it you, you just don't want to waste your time with, right? The, the good news is, is that there are many um, very viable frameworks and models that have existed for an extended period of time that can be leveraged to, to help you put together a system that will, you know, transfer your training, you know, whatever it is your, your, uh, your content is. And in that regard, we picked three primary sources, um, the Kirkpatrick model and, and uh, to make a distinction there, it's, it's much more the more recent work of Jim and Wendy Kirkpatrick at the Kirkpatrick partners where the, the essence of what they have done with the four levels, you know, uh, learning and, and the whole idea of, you know, level one, two, three, and four um, outcomes, you know, did you like the experience? Did you learn anything? Um, did your behavior change at all? And did that behavior translate to, to results? Um, what they've done, we used to think about that model sort of working from the bottom up. And what they've done is said, no, 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 consider that model from the top down. If you want a seat at the big table, if you want training to, to be uh, seen as a viable entity, you know, within your organization, start with the priorities and the goals of top-level management and what the organization is there to do. 
um, so, so start with those big picture outcomes and those targeted objectives. And then ask yourself the question, okay, to achieve those, what change in behavior or how can, how can we put together training that changes the behavior of key people in key sets of circumstances within our organization to accelerate their development to produce those results? And so if you take those things into consideration first, then you get yourself back down into now, okay, we've got to design a training program. And we've got to design a training program, not only that learners like and that they learn content that is important, but as Doug says, that content is integrated with their real world frontline managers. Um, you know, it, it aligns with the needs of the organization. It, it aligns with the priorities. Uh, and in the context of, you know, building leaders, um, you know, a lot of that has to come into play before you start to, um, you know, put together design, develop, and deliver training just that's focused on, you know, the classroom environment. It extends far beyond that. So the Kirkpatrick model, the new Kirkpatrick model, is, is one that, that was absolutely a foundational underpinning of the Four Moments of Truth. Also, the work of Broad and Newstrom. And they were one of the first uh, research teams that, that, that sort of was, was uh, focused on answering the question, we know that level one outcomes are correlated with level two outcomes. If you like the training program, you probably are going to learn something. If you learn something in the training program, you probably will have liked it. And also the correlation between level three and level four. If you change your behavior, it stands to reason you're going to get different results. If you want different results, it stands to reason that you're going to have to change behavior. But historically, there's really been nothing that links or correlates learning with behavior change, which is where other players outside of the training environment become so crucial. Um, they are the folks in the real world, if they know what's happening in training, have the most power and the most potential to link what the learner learns in training to the performance of the job through the results that the organization seeks. So the work of Broad and, and Newstrom also um, is, is kind of a foundational underpinning, you know, of the four moments of truth. And, and then also the work of Robert Brinkerhoff. His research over time in a meta-analysis has established irrefutably that if you have the next level manager of the person that's going through training actively involved before the trainee actually enters into the training environment. So immediately before and also immediately after the probability of transfer of training and behavior change is impacted by 65%. So he measured retention primarily. And what he found is where you have next level managers that are actively involved, immediate pre and immediate post, retention of the training content is accelerated by up to 65%. And the reason for that is it's not that they remembered the training just for the sake of remembering the training. It's that from the moment they got out of training, they were applying what they learned to the real world. So application drove that retention. It wasn't just special retention with no connection to application or results. So in, in brief encapsulation, customers are at the base of this for us. 
and content wise, uh, the new Kirkpatrick model brought in Newstrom and also the work of, of Robert Brinkerhoff. And Sam, you know, I would add that um, even more recent research by uh, Anders Ericsson has also had kind of an interesting correlation to the research that, that you cited. Um, that is that Anders Ericsson in studying uh, people not so much in the training profession, uh, but more in, in you know, whether it be athletes or musicians or now even surgeons and pilots, you know, how did they achieve expert performance? And one of the things that he found was this correlation to repetition and practice post some type of learning experience, right? The idea that when they go back to the job, this is exactly what you're just speaking of. When they go back to the job, they're actually applying it in a real world situation, but they're also doing it in a very deliberate way. But I think what one of the things that I've taken from Anders' work that, that really applies to the four moments of truth in a very nice way is his focus on the relationship of the learner to the coach and how important the coach is in that learning experience. That, you know, we can go and learn something on our own, but without that relationship with a coach who has given us direction or given us feedback and helping us with hey, maybe you want to try it this way, or have you tried that, or hey, focus on this. That, that, that coach allows us to take that level of performance to another level. And I think that's really, really an important takeaway from that level of research. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, as you well know, because um, we are both huge fans of uh, Anders Ericsson, and, and, you know, comparatively, not a lot of people are familiar with that name or with his research. But when you, when you ask him the question, um, you know, did you ever read that book by Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers? Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then he said, what was your favorite chapter? And then, well, you know, 10,000 hours. Well, Malcolm Gladwell took Anders Ericsson's, with permission and everything, took Anders Ericsson's research, okay? And, and that, was, that was where that chapter came from. And, and really what, what Anders Ericsson does is he dispels this myth. It almost doesn't matter what you're doing. doesn't matter what the nature of your performance is. But, but you, you have a tendency to associate um, just, just really high levels of peak performance, sort of record-setting performance with special talent, with just innate tools that the rest of us weren't born with. And, and, and his life's research has basically been to say that that isn't true at all. That isn't true at all. Like peak performance is a function of deliberate practice, perfect practice, taking something, understanding it, and putting it into play and getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Sometimes there's breakthroughs, you know, that take place, but getting a little bit better o over time. And, and to your point, Doug, that really brings into play two, two things. You, you got to have two things for, for all of this to work, right? You mentioned the coach, you know, and I've mentioned the coach, the whole idea of the next level manager and their involvement, um, you know, proactively um, in, in, in immediate post in, in what is learned. The, the other thing is the learner. You know, you, you've got to have a learner. You've got to have somebody that's going into the training experience and two things in relation to expectation theory. They value getting better at whatever it is they're learning. And they also see themselves being successful doing that. You know, we, we, we all had a course in college, right? 
or at least most of us did. Well, forget most of us. I certainly did. Where if you could have gotten out of that course, you would have done so in a heartbeat. You were taking it because you had to. You had to endure, you know. So you went to the class, you read the stuff, you took the tests, you wrote the papers, you took the final exam, and you walked out and you threw your notes away and you haven't thought about that course since, right? So the learner, okay, going into the learning experience, if you're interested in this pull through and transfer and sustainment and all of that sort of thing, boy, oh boy, uh, they are such an important part you know, of the equation. So, so in the context of the world that, that, you know, my colleagues and I at the Center for Leadership Studies live in, if you have people that are going to leadership training, uh, but they, they're, they're, when it comes right down to it, they're just really not that interested, you know, in, in, in becoming a better leader. Well, you, you know what? They're, they're not going to be, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. They need to, from a very mature standpoint, recognize that, that what you get in the classroom is is like taking you know or reading a book on golf okay it doesn't make you a golfer right enduring or actively participating in a one or two day um experience you know focused on leadership development leadership training it'll make you a leader right i mean you got a certificate but that means you know what was you know what was in the course the whole idea of applying that is a completely different thing it's a very iterative process. It is driven by the whole idea of, you know, to quote Anders Ericsson again, that whole perfect practice thing. It's about sitting down with somebody after training, okay? And, and the best thing is to have it be your next level manager, but it could be a peer coach or somebody else and saying, here's something I want to get better at. Okay, let, let's, let's come up with a plan. How are you going to do this? What is it going to look like? What role am I going to play? And, and you are receptive to and act upon feedback on the basis of actually putting that skill into practice. You, you, you learn stuff. In some cases, it's very, very, it's, it's painful. It's not easy to take. But, but you take, a, you know, sort of that development or those setbacks or whatever, and you put it into the context of overall, I'm going to keep plugging at this. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trying. So that is also, I agree with you totally, Anders Ericsson and his work, a really big part in a foundational, you know, uh, you, you know, kind of piece of the foundation of the four moments of truth. All right. So, Sam, what are those four moments of truth? Well, thank you. I somehow thought you were never going to ask, but it, it really does follow. If you can just think of kind of this three, the three steps that brought a Neutrum, um, you know, came up with in, in the mid-1980s, there's, there's sort of three time periods, right? There's what goes on before training, and then there's the training program itself, and then there's what goes on immediately after training. And, and so what we've done is we, we, we've taken, you know, those three and expanded it, you know, a little bit. And we've also focused on, along with the different, you know, time periods, you know, if, if you think about um, three key players, that really are responsible, and we've talked about it already, talked about them already, three key players that, that really drive, um, you know, any kind of sustainment or transfer of training um, effort. And one is obviously, um, you know, the trainer, you know, the person that is putting the program on, and that's not necessarily just the facilitator, but the facilitator as he or she represents the designers of the program, the developers of the program, everybody in the training department. So there's the trainer, 
there's the trainee, there's the participant, the learner, the person that's going to be going through it. And, and then there's the next level manager. There, there's the person that is the manager, you know, the direct supervisor of the individual that's going to be engaging with the trainer to go through the trainee. So if you, if you can think about, in general, those three time periods and those, those three players, um, our first moment of truth is something that we effectively refer to as same page status. And it's really about the next level manager getting together with the trainee before training and talking about and debriefing, all right, you're going to this course on situational leadership. How do you think, just in general terms, where do you need to improve as a leader? You know, we've had discussions, we've had some things that we've talked about, but as it applies to leadership and your review of the objectives of this course and the competencies that it speaks to, what do you want to get better at? Where do you really need to improve? You know, where do you struggle? Or quite frankly, what are you pretty good at now that it'd make a lot more sense for you to get that much better at? So it's a general discussion that takes place driven by the manager um, before training that if nothing else, it, it aligns expectations. And, and, and Taryn, I would ask you and I would ask your, learner, your uh, listeners to think about this. If your boss was sitting down with you before you went into training, during that first moment of truth, same page status, and there was no doubt in your mind that your boss thought this was a valuable experience and that your boss was setting an expectation that he or she was going to talk with you after you got out of training to see what you learned to further fine tune your plan to become a better leader. The, the probability that you would enter into that, you know, training event and, and be a little bit more, at least a little bit more engaged and pay at least a little bit more attention and walk out with something that was pretty darn specific associated with what you were going to do differently um, as, a, as a result and how you were going to implement what you learned, it, it, it significantly increased. So that first moment of truth, same page status is, is really driven or facilitated by the next level manager. Um, the second moment of truth is, is the actual training program itself. And, and, and the term that we have coined, um, you know, for, for the second moment of truth is the whole idea of maximum engagement. And, and that is really on the shoulders of the trainee. So if you think about going into a training program where you are not going to sit there and be, you know, some sort of a, you know, wait for something to happen, you're going to drive the action because you have objectives to achieve. You know, my suggestion is, you know, you would prepare differently for the course. You would think about things, even on your own, from a pre-work standpoint, as to questions you were going to ask and things that you were going to make sure that you got out of this particular, um, you know, content, whatever it was. You're going you're gonna to push the facilitator. You're going to ask a variety of different questions. When you're in group settings with your peers, you know, you're really going to be interested in, in, in engaging with them to get as much as you can possibly get out of that training program to fulfill your requirements to go back and talk with your manager. The, th the third moment of truth in all deference to Anders Ericsson is called perfect practice. What you're doing in the third moment of truth is really fine tuning and, and getting your application activity and sharing that with, you know, your next level manager and saying, this is what I want to do. 
This is the first step I want to take to becoming a better leader. This is who I want to implement this with. This is the struggles I think I'm going to have. This is where I need work. It's, it's really sort of communicating that plan to your manager and, and the next level manager working with you to give you, um, you, you know, sort of access to their experience. And as Doug mentioned before, you know, to coach and to facilitate your implementation. And then also, much more importantly, to review, you know, the first time that your first or second or third or 10th time that you actually attempt to lead, okay, or, or, you know, whatever the circumstance happens to be, providing you with feedback that says, here's what worked. Here's what you might want to work on for next time. Let's put something else, you know, on the calendar and, and, and talk about this, but let's keep this going. Let's keep this rolling. And the next level manager in particular during that third moment of truth, perfect practice, is the key person that integrates what is being learned into what is being done. You know, so the behavior change responsibility, that connection or that correlation between level two and level three, it's, it's really a product of the collaboration between the next level manager and the trainee, um, you know, post-program. And then at some juncture, the, the, the fourth moment of truth, it's, it's, it, it sort of rolls into ongoing coaching or the, or the name that we have come up with or, or came up with or coined for the fourth moment of truth is, is performance support. At some juncture, what you've learned and, and what you've implemented and the behavior change that you've made, it just sort of becomes part of your ongoing you know, performance as a leader, as a manager in the division or department where you work. So the four moments of truth, same page status, maximum engagement during moment of truth too by the participant, by the learner, third moment of truth, perfect practice, and the final moment of truth and kind of an ongoing moment of truth is performance support. And what results are you hoping that organizations will see uh, when they implement this model at their organizations? Yeah, I don't think anything new here um, in terms of impact analysis. I, I think basically, as I said, you know, we are a, a leadership and an influence, um, you know, organization. That's what we teach. Um, some people refer to those as soft skills. Um, our master facilitator at the Center for Leadership Studies, Chris McLean, says, you know, these aren't soft skills. These are really, really hard skills. You know, these these are skills that are really, you know, really difficult. But you know, like I say, no news here in terms of what do what do we think organizations are going to see and what results have we already seen with the implementation of the four moments of truth. You're, you're going to see productivity increases. You're, you're, you're going to see success in that regard. You're going to have leaders that are getting the most out of um, the people that work with them and for them. So you're going to see accelerated development on on the part of leaders that are that are working with people that are developing skills, you're going to see less regression, you know, or, or, or less sort of performance slippage because leaders are going to be on top of those things and discussing those, those issues, um, you, you know, as soon as they happen to, to sort of stop that and redirect performance. So you're going to see productivity gains. You're, you're going to see increased engagement. You're, you're going to see people that work for this particular leader say, you know what? Um, this manager, my leader, my supervisor seems to know when to do what they, they seem to know when to let me, you know, empower me to do what I know how to do, provide me with direction when I need direction. 
and sort of talk with me or discuss things with me when I'm someplace in between. But there's going to be increased engagement as, as, uh, as a result of that leader driving performance, but also kind of letting followers, meeting followers um, where they are and, and, and sort of managing or influencing to their specific needs. And I think because of that, you're, you're, the third thing you, you have a tendency to see over time is increased retention. You know, age-old thing, right? People don't leave companies, they leave supervisors or managers. You know, so it's not like you would eliminate that, but what you should see is less, you know, retention challenges with people in our, in our view that are situational leaders than you would, you know, in situations where they, are, where they aren't. But those are, the, those are the kinds of results, I think, traditionally um, of how you evaluate, you know, through 360s or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, the results of leadership training, productivity, engagement, and retention. All right, Doug Harward, CEO of Training Industry, and Dr. Sam Shriver, Executive Vice President of the Center for Leadership Studies, thanks for coming on the Business of Learning today. I surely appreciate the opportunity to both of you. Same here. Thank you, Taryn. Thank you, Sam, for being here. No problem. For more information on this topic, visit our website at trainingindustry.com leadership, and we'll have links to other helpful resources on the episode page, which you can find at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. Thanks for listening to the Business of Learning. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.